1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 319 of the Talking Shot Podcast. I am your host, Fred Roland. It is Thursday evening, very, very late into Friday morning, and the streak is over. Scott Coleman is no longer undefeated in the postseason while co-hosting this podcast. The Braves lose this evening. Uh, in lopsided fashion, and of course we'll talk about all of that, but uh do I blame you now, Scott? Is that what's going on?
2: <laughs> I think it's only fair. That was a uh you know, it was a frustrating game. Uh, no doubt about it. I think there are some, uh, you know, you don't want to sugarcoat that that was a very disappointing game five, but there are a couple of positives. I think you can take away from it, but ultimately when we were recording, uh, you know, when we recorded 24 hours ago, we were hoping this was going to be a very different podcast tonight and it obviously is not. Uh, and now the, the series shifts back to Atlanta and you have to win one out of two games at home. If, if you want to make the world series and, uh, just lots of lots of stuff to discuss, but a, uh, a sad note, I guess, tonight, but certainly one that if you would have told me a week ago that it would be 3-2 Braves heading back to Atlanta, regardless of the flows of wins and losses, I think you take it uh, every time.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that goes without saying. I think that's not even like a up-for-debate thing. I mean, anyone that says otherwise is is crazy when you talk about the context of the series. Um, and we'll get into it, but you know the Braves are still favored to win the series. Uh, they may not be in the betting market, but I think they are in my mind. You know because of what you said, two games to win one. You're at home, and even if you think the Dodgers are favorites, which I don't, I'm not necessarily conceding. Even if you think they're favorites in each individual game, when you combine the odds of those two games, it swings back in the Braves' fashion. So uh, we'll see what happens here. But you know clearly not the night that anybody wanted. Um, you know the best pitching matchup on paper that the Braves could have asked for with Max Freed against a tired Dodgers bullpen. Um, and it just didn't work out the way that it was supposed to. So we'll get into it. we probably won't go as long as we've been going on some of these podcasts because there's not that much to get into. Honestly, it's a, it's a lopsided loss. Um, and we'll start here. I guess, you know, Max Fried, not his best, but I want, I want to start on the one positive thing <laughs> from this game. Uh, you remember Scott, a few hours ago when the Braves led this game two to nothing, because mm-hmm. Atlanta took a 2 0 lead after three batters because Ozzy Albies poked a single to left field and then Freddie Freeman hits a home run, four and 25 feet, absolutely smoked. And he had been red hot. Everybody's feeling great. Joe Kelly is uh, laboring, we'll say. And uh, that was at least a brief moment of optimism. It didn't last very long, but the first inning was, uh, was kind of it in this one.
2: Yeah, we, we had about 20 minutes of happiness tonight that I thoroughly enjoyed, and I think most people did. Uh, yeah it was a nice start Ozzy had a really good uh, just kind of softball swing on a ball that was off the plate he he poked it down the third base line where, where nobody was playing with the shift and then Freddie crushed a ball from Joe Kelly Joe Kelly was really the only Dodgers relie- reliever tonight who was not sharp uh, it was a no doubt shot from Freddie and yeah for for a few minutes there it, it looked like things were were going to go the Braves way and of course, we know it did not last all that long, but um, it was an encouraging sign to see Freddie continue to hit after that weird and very bizarre game one and two. He had a very good time of it in Los Angeles, and, and now you have to hope he's able to carry that over into games six and and if we get there, game seven.
1: They will definitely need Freddie to be good, but yeah, the uh, the bizarre freak out after that eight eight plate appearance sample size is no longer really a thing. Um, I guess the only other thing was I know. There were Braves fans that were conspiracy theorizing about Joe Kelly, um, who I, I can't describe the pace he was working at. It was it was glacial in nature, and then he pulled yeah. himself out with a two two count and two outs in the first inning. Um, it was weird. A long delay. Uh, they officially said it was right bicep tightness. Of course he's right handed, so it's his pitching hand, pitch, pitching arm, I should say. They bring in Evan Phillips to, who throws one pitch to, to Adam Duvall and strikes him out. Like I don't really think that like changed the game. But I I saw some frustrated uh, Braves fans in the Talking Chop mentions talking about how you know maybe that that kind of killed the momentum or whatever. I'm I'm not that kind of I'm not really on board with that. But it was very weird and it just felt like it was an endless first inning. After after they scored, it was like Joe Kelly just decided I wasn't going to pitch anymore. But um, he's going to go very very slowly and maybe I'm I'm sure he's hurt on some level. But it was weird.
2: It was weird. Um, and, and the way that it all kind of happened. I mean. Joe Kelly threw back-to-back 98-mile-an-hour fastballs to ball, and the ball. <laughs> came and, out. Then, and then, I mean, to be fair, he threw, I think he throws a change-up or something similar to it, maybe a circle change. And it did look like he held on to the ball for an extra moment, and the ball was nowhere close to the strike zone. But then he immediately came out and, and signaled the trainer, and Dave Roberts, I don't know, it was weird. I mean, maybe it was gamesmanship, but it's also not like Dave Roberts pulled him one batter into the game. And it was, no. you know, to, to mess with, uh, to mess with the Braves' batting order or something like that. I mean, he had given up two runs at that point. And sure, it was an extra three or four minutes for Evan Phillips to come in and throw some extra warmups, but uh, it, it was weird. I, I will say that
1: it was very strange. But that was kind of uh, well. I'll leave it for now. They were still leading for a few more minutes. After that, the Braves didn't score in the second inning, and then the, the second inning was where Max Freed. Uh, hits the wall. I, I didn't think he looked great in the first, but it was certainly uh, effective enough. A single, nothing else. In the second inning, he uh, just misses to A.J. Pollock on a leadoff home run, a 108-mile-an-hour leadoff home run to cut the lead in half. Ben Albert Pujols singles, and Chris Taylor ambushes the first pitch, uh, hits it very, very hard to left field, and within three batters, The lead goes from 2 nothing and disappears, and now you're down 3-2. to And that was the first time that Freed's allowed two homers in an inning since last year's NLCS to Corey Seager and Justin Turner. And the last time he allowed three runs, not home runs, three runs in any inning was 19 starts ago. That's how good Max Freed's Mm -hmm. been. But uh, that all just changing very quickly. And Max, I guess to his minor credit, did not, like, let the game completely get away from that point forward. But I mean, literally within three minutes, two minutes, you go from up two to down three um, in a clean inning. And Chris Taylor, of course just has the game of his life tonight, but beyond yeah. that, I mean the game flip right then.
2: Yeah. It, you know, you're right. It, it was not like Max. He had a little bit of bad luck working against him. He had a couple of soft singles against the shift, but yeah, I mean, he, he gave up the ball that the home run he gave up to AJ Pollock was crushed. And then, as you said, uh, Chris Taylor had the night of his life tonight with three home runs uh, doing his best Eddie Rosario impression, I guess. But, uh, yeah, again, it was it was frustrating. It was only 3-2 to two after the second inning. It was a long inning. Uh, Freed was able to get out of it. And it, at the time, it was like, okay, it's 3-2. You have, what, seven more innings at that point against the bullpen. You hope that you can scratch and claw. And as we've seen, this lineup has been able to strick strike pretty quickly during the the postseason um but yeah it was just a, a sign of things to come for max and again he just didn't have his a plus stuff i don't know if he's maybe he's wearing down a little bit physically obviously this is a very difficult lineup to pitch to even with the couple injuries the dodgers have they are very talented especially from the right hand side uh yeah it's just unfortunate i think max will will take this loss pretty hard he had a chance to really cement himself and and help his team out. And he just had an off night and who knows if, if he'll get another opportunity to pitch this playoffs. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was an early sign of things to come. I think we all saw in the second inning that Max clearly did not have good stuff. No, he
1: was not his best. And you know, he wasn't quite his best in the first outing in this series. Like he ended up pitching well enough, but it wasn't like he was dominant in the way that he had been in previous outings. So, I don't know if it's like you said, I don't know if he's wearing down or what, but uh, just for the record, the next time that he would pitch uh, on regular rest would be game one of the World Series if they get there. It would be Tuesday, which is four days rest from now. So uh, hopefully, everyone is hoping that's that he makes that start. Uh, but if not, not the greatest way to end the season after a heck of a run from Max Freed. Um, you know, they, the Braves did have a, a single from Eddie Rosario who got thrown out stealing second in the third inning. Um Spoiler alert, the race did not score again in this game. Like, there were a couple of, like, minor threats. But even then, it was kind of, like, hapless. They got five hits in this game. Yeah. And, you know, two of them were to, to have the first two runs. So, after after phrase home run, they got three hits the rest of the game. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm not going to not, not go through every inning just because <laughs> there were, it was nothing really happening. There was no big threat that they kind of let go. You know, usually we flag these moments where you have this great scenario where they have a chance to score. And the closest thing that I could come up with was the one out double by Rosario in the sixth. And yeah. that was it. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean,
2: okay. yeah, the other. So there was two singles and a double. You just mentioned Eddie Rosario's double. Yeah. Um, rosario also had a single in the third though he was thrown out trying to steal so that <laughs> quickly went away
1: the fastest player in major league baseball
2: eddie oh rosario. boy some uh some poor production assistant for tbs has some very bad uh information i think they must have uh researched Ahmed rosario instead of eddie rosario that's gotta be uh, yeah. the other rosario was of course very fast eddie is not as fast um and the other single was a Dansby Swanson single, I think in the seventh or eighth inning at that point, the game was not over, but pretty close to being over. Uh, yeah. Just a, again, you, you, everyone was feeling really good uh, after the Freddie home run and, and then the bats went silent. Uh, there were just a lot of non-competitive at bats tonight. I mean, there was a six pitch fourth inning. Uh, there was a, I think an eight pitch fifth inning I, again, I get that guys they press this time of year, and I'm sure everyone was feeling a little bit of pressure after Freed had given up some runs, but it was just a night to forget for the offense. And we just have to hope that they're able to, you know, pick up the pieces and, and put together some much more competitive at bats moving forward.
1: Yeah, five hits, no walks is not what you want to see. And I'm uh, not like this. Um, you know, we talked about it. You know, three, it's three, it's three to two after getting the second inning. Um, Max goes up with three straight singles in the third. Um, and something that's four to two, they stuck with him. He gets Bellinger, and that was the right decision. Uh, you know, Bellinger a bad hitter gets left-handed pitching, so you stick with him there. He strikes him out, and then Ozzy actually has a great play in the third inning to kind of, um, I would say, preserve things, um, going to his right for the third out to probably save a run. Um, and that you know you're you're down two runs. The game is not over by any means. But in the fifth, there's that man again. You have uh, it's Chris Taylor. This is really the only uh, decision slash anything to analyze this entire game um scott what did you make of them going to martin when they did and going away from free Mm -hmm. because you know free as we as as discussed free was not great in this spot and it gives up the walk to pool holes in the fifth and that's when and that's when you pull them with two outs and i will be honest i had no issue with it i know it did not work out very well because taylor went deep on the next batter but process wise i was pretty okay with
2: it. Mm -hmm. yeah Fifty-seven-year-old Albert Pujols with two hits and a walk against Freed tonight. That was, was actually there? a heck
1: of a bat for him. Like he really walked the count on that one, but still, like you, yes. you, you can't you can't walk him there. That's, that's I mean,
2: me. and I mean that with all due respect, Pujols is one of the greatest hitters of all time by all accounts and a plus human being. But it was frustrating to see him. I mean, he he can't even run at this point. He like limps around the bases. Um, but as soon as Freed walked Pujols, it was his ninetieth pitch. Um, sure, in hindsight, you would have kept Freed out there because Chris Martin just served up a meatball on 0 and 2. I mean, the ball was right down the middle of the plate. To, oh, to Chris
1: oh, 0-2 made it so much more brutal because, like, you know, it yeah. was a bad pitch time because it was just tailing over the plate. He just missed his spot. But the fact that was an 0 2 pitch to a guy yeah. who's already homered in the game, it's like, oh man, like, you got to be kidding me.
2: Yeah. You know, at that point, again, it's it's revisionist, but if you're able to get Chris Taylor out, uh, it's still four to two in the fifth, despite all the all the base runners and all the hits. It was only five uh, four to two at that point, but of course, Martin comes in and he just made a mistake. He missed his location. It's six two, and that was really I thought, um, despite the the hit or two they had in the in the following innings, that was it felt like a bit of a white flag for Brian Snitker and the Braves. Uh, the bullpen had been taxed so much, and as we as we know and as we'll talk about after Chris Martin gave up the homer, they they pretty much tucked it in for the rest of the night.
1: Yeah, and you can argue, I'm, I'm not someone that likes punting games um, in the playoffs, but I, I do understand what Snit was doing. Uh, you know, like for instance, they went to Dylan Lee in the sixth inning. And Dylan Lee is very clearly the last pitcher on the roster. Like he's, he's the last guy. Um, so that's the guy you go to when you're not really trying to uh, grind out this one. In the biggest way, and you know it's six to two. Does he go to Dylan Lee in the sixth if it's four to two? I think probably not. I mean, I would assume, I would hope not. Honestly, if it's still four to two, yeah. you can't yeah. go to Dylan Lee there. Because um, yeah, it's frustrating. You don't want to, you don't want to use your guys in a loss. But at four to two, like with something we talk about all the time with with Snit, is that he just he likes to kind of punt games. I would hope he wouldn't do that in this situation. But once you're done by four. It's okay to do that. It's fine. Well, and,
2: and to Dylan Lee's credit, I mean, it, it's unfortunate, and I'm jumping ahead an in inning, but it's unfortunate that Lee gave up another home run to Chris Taylor to make the score seven two because lee actually pitched pretty well he was fine um, it, yeah. there was a uh there was a dodgers writer of some kind who kind of joked it was like shoot maybe the braves uh should have pitched dylan lee a little bit earlier in this game because he was probably the most impressive of the bunch tonight not that that was saying a whole lot
1: yeah it's a low bar but yeah, yeah not not <laughs> right
2: yes um but it was a cool moment again you know dylan lee someone who Made his big league debut what less than a month ago, and he did strike out Albert Pujols. That's a pretty cool bat. I hope he got to keep the baseball because that's a pretty cool baseball to put on your your shelf at home and your coffee table. Uh, but at that point, the Taylor home run to go up seven two in the seventh inning, then it really felt over.
1: Yes, uh, I would uh, concur with that. The only thing that I want to mention um, from the end, you know, it gets out of hand. Jacob Webb got shelled. In the eighth, including a home run by Pollock, his second of the game, uh, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, Jorge Soler is on this team again. Um, I, talk, I thought I thought of bringing it up earlier, but about five p.m. or so on Friday, the Braves just announced out of nowhere that he was going to be eligible to play tonight and back on the roster. I was a little bit surprised just because I know a couple of, a couple of the beat guys were. Pretty much just saying he was out until Saturday because they were under the impression that there was a 10 day window that wouldn't conclude until Friday, which is, of course, the travel day. So that's been in my mind. It was tweeted, it was reported that way in a couple different places. Um, you know, it's obviously a good thing for the Braves because he helps their bench and all that stuff. Um, you know the decision to not start him was one that I think was fairly obvious. He hasn't he hasn't played baseball in a week and a half, and they had been hot. And you know it wasn't like you're replacing a bad hitter when you have Peterson, Rosario, and uh, and Duvall. But just having Soler back is a positive for the next two games and hopefully beyond that. Um, and then the other, only other thing there was that they chose to take Pache off the roster instead of Camargo. I don't know about that one. Um, but what do you think of that whole thing? I mean, other than just the obvious that Soler helps.
2: I think I, I'm not 100% certain. I think that Soler had to be swapped out for Pache because of the swap earlier in the NLT. Because the swap in. Yeah. I could be wrong on that because I truly sure don't know changed yeah. but regardless i mean yes if they had a choice yes i would have i would have kicked camargo off and kept Pache for his or arcia maybe <laughs> i mean <laughs> who they, who they is, low? i mean they obviously is, wouldn't
1: do that because snicker thinks arcia is babe ruth but uh yeah, yeah. anyway uh but no I, you know obviously it was kind of funny i was reading some of the comments and it's like well you know soler would be a candidate to be the to be the dh in the world series and i'm thinking a candidate like he's the DH in the world. He series. Is. What, what, yeah, are we, you know, what are we talking about right now? If he's, he if he, is, uh, if he's alive, he's, he's the DH in the world yeah, series. He he's is absolutely
2: play. the DH if they get there. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm glad to hear that um, obviously Jorge is feeling better. He's back on the roster. Even if he didn't start, he did get a pinch hit appearance tonight and he struck out, but it, I think it's good for him to obviously see as much live pitching as he possibly can. Uh, you hope that he's able to get some swings in over the next couple of days, because if, if the Braves are able to advance, they will obviously need Jorge Soler ready to go. Um, it was good news. I'm glad to hear that everything is, is okay with him. And um, he seemed to be in really good spirits and happy to be back. Um, so yeah, if, if you are looking for another positive to take away from, from tonight's game uh, getting Jorge is, is a, is a boost and especially considering the other options on the bench right now which are not very good Um, but it was nice to have him back
1: yes certainly uh and we'll leave it there for the game itself before we look ahead to game six and beyond a quick word to hear from our sponsors on the show today All right, Scott, let us close up shop on this now Friday Eastern time. I know it's Thursday for you still where you are, but it's Friday for me. Um, You know, the situation is what it is. The Braves lose this game. Uh, It was a blowout. You can argue whether you would enjoy a blowout or a close loss more. I think you and I are on on the page of rather lose a blowout than anything else um, if you have to lose one. Um, And listen, this is probably your best pitching matchup of the three remaining, and that's that stings a little bit, but it was also on the road. Um, that matters to some degree, and now you have a day off, you fly home, and as we said at the very, very top of this podcast, you now have two opportunities to win one game, and that places you in a favorable position. In fact, yeah. Yeah. projections and stuff like 538, as we always cite, um, actually now has the Braves at 66% to win the World Series? To win the World Series. To win win this series. um, To make the World Series. Um, And Fangraphs has almost exactly the same, 66.4%. So essentially, two in three chance for the Braves according to those projection systems. I think the betting market will probably be a little bit Close, closer to the Dodgers, if I had to guess, because that seems to be the way it's gone to this point. But regardless, the Braves are still the favorites in this series. I know the Atlanta sports fatalism has been sinking in. And honestly, I had a couple moments of that myself tonight. Like, look, I said in, I said in private, I'll say I say it here, I told someone today, if the Braves lost today, I was going to probably get a little bit worried. And that's not necessarily rational. I try to be rational as much as possible, which is why I'm giving you the numbers. Like, the Braves are still the favorites here. They have two chances To win one game the dodgers have to win twice you have to win once advantage braves when the the teams are in any way close and i think they're close enough to where it's still in favor of the braves but i mean scott remove yourself from the atlanta thing because you're not an atlanta sports fan (laughs) uh are you are you are you terrified like where's your where's your brain now
2: yeah i mean it's an interesting uh question right because right the things that happen yeah because the falcons choked away a Super Bowl a couple years ago. Does that have any impact at all on the Atlanta Braves? Listen, it does.
1: It it does, Scott. I'm I'm kind of kidding. I'm also kind of not, but
2: I know it's it's still a sore (laughs) subject. It would be for me, too, if I were a a Falcons fan. Um, A couple of thoughts. One, I absolutely agree that if you're going to lose this game tonight, give me this kind of loss every single time over a heart-wrenching Game 3 replica I mean, you can imagine what this podcast and what the freakout would be like if the Braves had a five to two lead late in tonight's game for, you know, three or four outs away from the World Series and they let it get away. Um, again, tonight's game sucked. No one's going to tell you differently, but they were able to give their big four in the bullpen. Minter, Matzik, Luke Jackson and uh, Will Smith, they all got the night off, which was a good thing. Um, I don't think anyone is going to take this loss too, too hard. It was a frustrating night to be sure, but this team has shown they can bounce back. Um, and, you know, it is, it is what it is. If you Again, if you would have told me, especially after they won those first two games in Atlanta, they were going to go to Los Angeles, a building where they have won one time over the last like four years, and get one game, great. Uh, I, I would take that. And as you said, you have to win one out of two games at home. If they don't do it, it's going to be a terrible collapse. Nobody will ever want to f- speak of a three-one lead in the playoffs ever again, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but this is a good situation to be in. Of course, you would have liked to close it out tonight, but man, you just you just have to hope that they're able to regroup and get back in their own their own homes and their own beds and and just kind of put this one behind them and then and then shift gears really quickly because within oh I don't know thirty six hours or so we'll be getting ready for Game Six.
1: Yeah, so Game 6 is on Saturday. It's either going to be... We won't know the start time until late Friday night, which is uh, unfortunate for planning purposes. Um, but the game will either be at about 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time or 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday at Truist Park. And it all depends on whether the AC, the ALCS goes to seven games. Right now it's 3-2. to two. Um, If the series ends on Friday... With an Astros win, uh, the Braves would go back and they'd play a little bit later in the evening. They'd play at 8 p.m. Eastern. If there is an ALCS Game 7, the Braves would play earlier at 5. Does that matter to anybody except for fans? Probably not. It's something to keep sort of keep in your mind. And then, of course, if, need, if needed, Game 7 would be Sunday. Um, and if needed also, for, Braves, for, the, for the Braves' sake, Game 1 of the World Series would be Tuesday. So that's just a schedule reminder. Nothing official official official, right now like no one said anything that I can see on Twitter about um, in terms of like pitching plans and stuff for game six I think everyone is planning on a rematch of earlier in the series and that being Ian Anderson against Max Scherzer um, both guys are on rest that is normal at this point in time um, I will be stunned if it's not Ian Anderson for the Braves I'll just say that much um, I don't know what else they would do. It would, just kind of has to be, unless he just can't pitch for some reason that is, we just are unaware of. Um, other than that, like I know Scherzer has the dead arm thing we talked about last night a little bit on the podcast. Um, I can't imagine Max Scherzer not taking the ball tomorrow. Um, you know, he threw he threw on Sunday. He threw like eighty pitches, so he's on five days rest as as, as Bueller is too. So, I mean. Are you on the same page as I am? I'll be surprised yeah. if it's not if it's not uh, Scherzer versus Anderson on Saturday. Yeah,
2: I mean, almost out of sheer necessity, uh, I bo- think bo- it on both is. sides. <laughs> yeah, truly. I mean, who else are you going to give the ball to? Um, yeah, you know, Ian's first start against the Dodgers in Game Two was not great. He, of course, within like six pitches was down two nothing. He gave up that early homer to who, Corey Seeger. Um, but other than that, you know, he pitched. Okay. I think he ended up throwing three or four innings. And of course the Braves won game two. Um, uh, and, and you just hope that Max Scherzer, who uh, has pitched a whole bunch over the last couple weeks and as good as he is, he is a little bit older and he, he did publicly and kind of surprisingly say, yeah, that his arm was just shot, uh, whenever he started after game two, you just hope that the Braves are able to get back to the, what they did earlier in this series where they worked the count, uh, got some guys on base. Again, this was a very frustrating night offensively, but uh, besides that, really the, the offense has been fine in this series, despite facing a really good Dodger bullpen and some strong starting pitching. So again, it, it's going to be a rematch of game Two. You hope it's the same result um, and we'll see how sharp both guys are. I think for me, Ian Anderson in his Uh, effectively wild approach is probably the best way to describe him at times. He is not somebody who just pounds the strike zone, though he does get a lot lot of swing and miss on stuff that isn't in the zone. I do worry about him a little bit against a lineup that is as patient as the Dodgers. I could see them just kind of waiting him out as they did at times this year and in past seasons as well. Uh, But at the same time, Ian has shown that he's able to step up in big games before. And if Scherzer is not his, 100% 100% Max Scherzer yourself, you see what happens, and hopefully they're able to close it in six. And even if they don't, then you you have game seven with Charlie Morton getting the ball. Uh, I think everybody here wants to wrap this thing up on Saturday night, but if for some reason you don't, uh, that's the beauty of being up 3-2. You have the, that one-game advantage built in, and and you see what happens.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, with with Scherzer on the mound, I'm, if that is indeed the matchup, Looking at the odds that were actually out there for game two in the betting market, of course, the Braves won that game. um, But the Dodgers were favored like minus 160 something in that game, which is like an implied number of like in the 60-ish range. Um, Percentage-wise for Los Angeles doesn't matter to anybody else other other than myself, no. But it's just one of those things that kind of tells you what the perception is of what the game might look like. But, you know, Ian's had the first inning foibles. That's a concern for sure. I don't know how much of a concern it is. There are actually a couple of good pieces about that today. I think there's one of the fan graphs talking about whether that's a real thing with Ian's first inning and all that stuff that's worth reading. But, you know, this is what it comes down to. You, get, you got two chances. You actually have two guys you trust. I mean, I I trust Charlie Morton a lot more than Ian Anderson at this point in time. That's not like a shot at Ian Anderson. That's just Charlie Morton is someone I trust a lot. But Anderson's had big starts. He's pitched well in big spots. And you got to feel okay about that. And also, the good thing is, I think we mentioned it maybe once in passing, but I'll say it one more time again, the Braves relievers that they've been using and relying on the entire way did not pitch tonight, and they also have tomorrow off, so they'll have two days off. That's a huge thing. Obviously, it helps the Dodgers, too, in that they are best guys, don't have to pitch tomorrow. Like, they used Kelly today.
2: Like, yeah, I that was mean a little they, odd.
1: They didn't need to, but I guess it's because, like, they have tomorrow off and they know it. But up nine? I believe yeah. it was, when he came yeah. in the game. I'm thinking, why is he pitching right now? Um, and it wasn't like last night where Will, where Will Smith came in because he was already warming up. You know, They were already up six before the previous inning, so it was yeah. like he needed to be warming up <laughs> anyway. A very strange thing. Dave Roberts, oh, one, I have to make fun of Dave Roberts had sort of have the streak going. Uh, Dave Roberts let Gratterall hit for himself with a runner on in the fifth and then took him out of the game. In the bottom and hmm. the top of the next inning,
2: yeah.
1: uh I just wanted to make sure that I said that out loud because that didn't make any sense at all. People were I said that on Twitter. People were like, well, you know, they're winning. I'm like, okay, but like, you don't let a reliever hit for himself.
2: Like, <laughs> well, at that point, you a almost man worry. Alive. You almost worry he's going to hurt himself. I mean, well, honestly, I mean, he's... I mean,
1: honestly, the the thing about that is, if you don't want to waste a pinch hitter in your mind, like that, that's faulty logic in my mind. But like. You probably have a, a starting pitcher that could hit. Like, why don't you just have Julio Urias hit? Like, he actually has hit before. Like, why you're having a reliever hit with? Again, there's a man on base. And by the way, during the at bat, they stole second base. They had a runner in scoring position <laughs> at the end of the at bat, and you have a reliever up there in the fifth.
2: Yeah. And then you took him out of the
1: game. Like, what, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs>
2: Sorry. A little odd. It was um, a little bit strange. Anyway, you know, Dave Roberts, I I think. Uh how do I say this? If he didn't have a $300 million roster, I run, I wonder how long he would, if he would still be around. Um, it's hard to look bad with a $300 million roster. Um, He's, he's had some interesting moments and hopefully he has some more interesting <laughs> moments in games <laughs> six and or seven. If we have to play seven,
1: some interesting moments, um, but yes, in Dave Robert's story uh,
2: odd. Yes. <laughs> there you uh, go.
1: Yeah. yeah no, that, that I just wanted to make sure that I didn't forget that. Cause that was, uh, it was really tilting me. I couldn't understand what was going on. Um, all right. Well, anything else you wanted to add, Scott, clearly nobody's happy. I'm exhausted. I came, I can hardly talk at this point. And uh, there's lots to get into for, saturday and beyond um i believe we are scheduled to have a daily hammer episode with a uh, friend of the pod a co-host all those fun things sean coleman scott's non-brother sean um mm-hmm. tomorrow night so we'll have even more content he will be able to give you the official pitching stuff by then i'm sure as i'm still refreshing to make sure nobody said anything on the record and nobody has so uh all that to say we have more to come we'll have a podcast it probably won't have me on it because I actually have some uh, have some travel on Saturday and Hawks commitments and all this kind of stuff. Um, so you probably won't hear from me after the game on Saturday, but there will be a podcast on this feed somewhere after game six. Hopefully that is a wrap-up of the series and look ahead to game one of the World Series. Um, if not, we'll see you on Sunday night with, uh, with that mm-hmm. similar uh, setup. But uh, more to come for sure. Scott, if you have anything else to add, feel free.
2: No, not, not much to add. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can go win a pennant this weekend. That would be a fun way to end just a a crazy last couple of weeks here. And again, I, I think this was certainly a frustrating loss tonight, but one that hopefully the team gets over quickly again, there's no way to sugarcoat it. That was a tough game tonight, but if they were going to lose losing in this fashion, in my opinion is, is the way to do it. Right. Um, and uh, hopefully they're able to bounce back, get some rest and then and go close this thing out in six. I think uh, for all of our mental health, it would be nice not to have to live through another game seven, just with the drama and stress that comes with that. So let's go close it out on Saturday night and, and uh, celebrate a world series
1: appearance. That would be preferable. Let's just say it's anything else that would happen over the weekend. So uh, if you have tickets, show up, be loud, uh, enjoy yourselves over the weekend. And, uh, yeah. Not, one,
2: one more thing. Okay. How terrible are those Dodger fans? Those dudes were clearing <laughs> out of oh, that stadium. No. They were clearing out on uh Tuesday before they came back. They were leaving in droves last night. And then tonight the stadium was like 80% full. Anyway, they, they seem a little fair weather and bandwagony to me. I know that that's not exclusive to the Dodgers or Los Shots Angeles fired at, but, uh, and your, and well, you know on the West coast. Right if, there. uh, yeah, if <laughs> they're about eight hours West of me. If they want to come at me, come at me down the street, uh, you know where you can find me. Um, but yes, anyway, I, I noticed that a couple times. I'm like, you guys suck. Give me a break. <laughs> what do you gotta do? You rush home to go sit around your house.
1: Come on. A great. A great way to end this podcast. Uh, that was Scott Coleman. You can find him at Scott Coleman 55 on Twitter. That was not Brad Rowland, That was Scott Coleman. One more time. Scott Coleman host this podcast and all me. those things. Um, no, I'm kidding. But, uh, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, Braves fans will have that place rocking on Saturday and Sunday. I'm sure that they will. I'm sure it will be packed, and uh, the battery will be uh, absurd this weekend. I'm fairly sure. So uh, if you're in town, uh, leave early, I would say, to get there. Uh, Scott, thank you for joining me on the show. I am delirious at this point in time. We'll wrap it up there. Again, one more time, please subscribe to the podcast. We'll have a new show, uh, I believe, tomorrow and then definitely after Game 6 as well and any game after that. Um, Follow the show on Twitter at at TalkingChops as well as all of the written content on the site. Follow me at BT and follow Scott uh, on Twitter and we'll see you all after the game on Saturday.
2: You can add the fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as10 dollars by visiting fundrise.com/fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com/flagship. This is a paid advertisement.
0: Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data